I honestly don't know what's more despicable. The hackers who tried to hold Ashley Madison hostage? Or the owners of a website actually dedicated to helping married people cheat? Not too long ago, you might remember that those two parties went toe-to-toe in a public showdown. A showdown that ended very badly for millions of people. Now, it's hard to imagine anything good. I mean, anything good at all coming out of the whole Ashley Madison affair. And no pun intended by the word affair. But you know something? On today's episode of The Voice of Prophecy, I think I might have just found the silver lining. I've got to imagine that millions of people felt sick to their stomachs when they heard that hackers had compromised the database at AshleyMadison.com. Of course, this isn't the first time a corporation has faced a breach of data. But this time, it wasn't just credit card numbers that were compromised. I mean, you can fix it when your credit card gets compromised. There are protections in place that limit your liability. So, for example, when Target was compromised a few years ago, my bank just gave me a new credit card, and the problem was solved. But this time, as you were probably well aware, it wasn't just credit card numbers getting aired in public. This time, it was dirty laundry, and lots of it. You see, Ashley Madison is, or was, a website dedicated to helping people cheat on their spouses. Their motto posted on their website is, Life is short, have an affair. And apparently nearly 40 million people thought that was a good idea, because that's how many people Ashley Madison said were actually using the service. 40 million. That's more than the entire population of my birth country, Canada. I think we've only got 34 million people living up there. Let that number just sink in. 40 million people who wanted to cheat on their spouses. 40 million people who were living a lie. And if the website is really for married people, that means there are also 40 million people out there whose spouses absolutely are cheating on them. 40 million people who might have had no idea their marriages were in trouble. Of course, the minute the data hit the shady alleys of the dark web, a lot of people started finding out. And in the list of users, there were a lot of public figures. State Attorney Jeff Ashton, for example, the guy who defended Casey Anthony, he had to admit that he'd used the site. Of course, he claimed that all he did was indulge his curiosity and that he never actually had an affair. But he's just one of thousands of well-known people who have suddenly had to explain why their name was at Ashley Madison. Apparently, there were lots of .gov email addresses found in the breach, 15,000 of them, and even the names of White House and congressional employees. Now, of course, there is a possibility I haven't heard too many people talk about. I mean, how many people would actually use their real names on Ashley Madison? You've got to consider, at least consider the possibility that people might use fake names or even stolen credit cards. I mean, who really would use their real name for something this shady? But of course, people probably expected their information was safe, in spite of the fact that quite a few major corporations have faced massive hacker attacks in recent years. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that Target had a massive data breach, and my bank had to issue me a new credit card. And I'm guessing that 
somewhere along the line it's happened to you. One of my own co-workers actually told me the other day that his credit card has been involved in something like half a dozen data breaches. It's just becoming commonplace. So why the users of Ashley Madison thought their data was secure is beyond me. Now here's the real kicker. According to John McAfee, the cybersecurity expert, it might not even be hackers who actually did this. He thinks it was an inside job. He thinks it was an employee of the parent company, Avid Life Media, who actually gave the data away. And that means the people who trusted Ashley Madison really shouldn't have. Of course, how in the world do you even trust people whose entire business it is to help you lie? I mean, think about this. You're giving your credit card information and information about your sexual preferences to people who promise to help you deceive someone else. It is, after all, a cheating website. I just don't know how you get mad when you get caught. Embarrassed, yeah, of course you're embarrassed, but how do you get angry? Just listen to this article that I found online. I'm going to have to clean up the language quite a bit because this is family radio. But listen, and I quote, People are the worst. An unknown number of, well, I'll say jerks. An unknown number of jerks are threatening to expose Ashley Madison users, presumably ruining their marriages. Unquote. Now, let's examine that. It's not the blackmailers who have ruined the marriages. It's the people who signed up for Ashley Madison. They've already ruined their marriage. So, yes, it's also despicable that people are trying to cash in on misery. And it's true, blackmail is wrong. But let's be clear about where the blame really lies for ruined marriages. This message continues, and I quote, The hacking victims must pay the extortionists exactly 1.000001 bitcoins. It's about 225 U.S. dollars. But here's what I want you to think about. Why would we call Ashley Madison's customers victims? I mean, I guess technically they're the victims of crime because data theft and extortion are clearly illegal. But let's be clear about who the real victims are. It's the millions of spouses who just got cheated on. I'm sorry, but it's hard to feel a lot of sympathy for people who are the so-called victims of unethical extortionists when it happens in the context of doing something unethical. It's really hard to believe you have a right to cry foul play when you yourself are engaged in foul play. I think the truth of the matter is that people aren't offended that someone else did something wrong. They're just worried they're going to get caught. And I don't know how anything good could come of this because there are so many people doing so many wrong things. This is just a bad story. You've got website owners who make their money by facilitating something despicable. You've got tens of millions of people cheating on their marriages. You've got people stealing and publishing private data. And you've got internet extortionists flapping around like vultures, picking the meat off of everybody's bones. This whole thing was despicable. But honestly, it's no more despicable than the behavior of the human race as a whole. Take a careful look through the pages of the Bible and you'll notice one of the big metaphors God uses for sin over and over again is marital infidelity. He compares you and I to a cheating spouse. I mean, listen to this passage in Ezekiel chapter 16, and, and this is by no means the only passage like this. Here it is in Ezekiel chapter 16. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, it says in verse 8, and you became mine, verse 15. But you trusted in your own beauty, played the harlot because of your fame, and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. 
That's pretty straight language. As far as God is concerned, my sins are just as offensive as the sins of Ashley Madison. Now, maybe I didn't cheat on my spouse, but I guarantee that somewhere along the way in my sins, I have cheated on God. So have you. You have lived in ways and you have done things that violate the covenant between the Creator and you. You and I might be absolutely repulsed by what goes on at Ashley Madison, and you should be, but at the same time, we need to understand that our own sins are just as repulsive. Now, I've got to take a quick break, but I don't want you to go away because I actually think I found a glimmer of hope in this whole story. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Okay, we are back from the break. My name is Sean Boonstra. You are listening to The Voice of Prophecy. And today I'm talking about the big data breach that happened at Ashley Madison. Not long after all that data went public, there were a couple of Canadian law firms that filed a class action suit against Avid Life Media in Toronto, the parent company of Ashley Madison. The suit was for $578 million, and that's a lot of money. What's interesting is that the suit was leveled at Avid Life Media and not the hackers who arguably did more to violate people's privacy than the people at Avid Life Media. Now, here's a public statement issued from Windsor, Ontario, presumably by the lawyers bringing the suit against Ashley Madison. Let me read it to you. It says, Numerous former users of AshleyMadison.com have approached the law firms to inquire about their privacy rights under Canadian law. They are outraged that AshleyMadison.com failed to protect its users' information. In many cases, the users paid an additional fee for the website to remove all of their user data, only to discover that the information was left intact and exposed. And that's the end of the statement. So I guess what's making people mad is the fact that they actually paid to have their information removed from the site. Maybe they felt regret for signing up. And still their names were in the breach. The plaintiff in the suit is a guy by the name of Elliot Shore, a man from Ottawa who lost his wife to breast cancer after 30 years of marriage. And and I guess he signed up for the service but never actually went through with it. And I guess he's hopping mad that his reputation has been jeopardized by the breach. He wasn't cheating on a living spouse. He wasn't cheating on anybody. Of course, I, I still could point out that there are lots of dating websites for single people, and I could point out that the people Mr. Shore would have met on Ashley Madison were presumably married, so he still would have been a party to infidelity. But I think I've made my point. In this whole debacle, there are no winners. So what I want to do is get to the heart of the matter and ask a few hard-hitting questions. Question number one. What does this whole thing say about human nature? This isn't just five or ten people signing up for marital infidelity. It was almost 40 million. So what does that say about the state of marriage in the Western world? And what does it say about the state of honesty? Question two. If you number yourself among the crowd of eternal optimists, if, if the glass is always half full in your universe... Ask this question, what good could possibly come from this mess? As I mentioned a moment ago, it's really hard to find winners in this thing. Except that's where the story of the Bible suddenly comes into play. 
When I was a kid, there was this passage in the gospel according to Luke that kind of made my blood run cold when I first heard it. Uh, Listen to this. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees in Luke 12, verse 1. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So, Jesus is saying that the big sin of the Pharisees was to condemn the actions of others when they were just as guilty as everybody else. They were kind of like those people who were indignant about the unethical behavior of computer hackers when they've just been caught doing something far more unethical. The reason you want to highlight the sins of somebody else is to downplay your own. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, listen to what Jesus says next, because it should get your attention. This is Luke 12, verse 2. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. If there is any group on earth that felt what Jesus just said, it's the people who got busted at Ashley Madison. Their deepest, darkest secrets got hung out on the internet for the whole world to see. But even if you weren't implicated in the scandal, even if you're not cruising the darker parts of the internet, that statement should still make you sit up and take notice. I must have been nine years old when I first read it, and it nearly made my prepubescent heart stop in its tracks. I mean, everything? Every one of my secrets is going to come out? It's not that I had a lot of secrets at that age. I was basically worried that someone might find out I'd used bad language in the schoolyard. But it still scared me. It scared me to discover that there are no secrets in this universe. God sees everything you do. He hears everything you think. And I imagined someday in the future, maybe at the judgment, when angels would literally stand on rooftops and shout my sins out for the entertainment of everybody. That would be humiliating. Maybe not Ashley Madison humiliating, but it would be my worst fear come true. I mean, imagine having nowhere to hide, no excuse for what you've done, because the honest truth about you has finally come out, and the whole universe can now see you like you really are. No more masks, no more lies, no more carefully crafted public facade. It's just you, presented the way you really are. You see, the truth is, you might fool your neighbors. You might fool your co-workers. You might even fool your spouse. But you can't fool God. Oh, God, you know my foolishness, the psalmist writes. My sins are not hidden from you. Imagine a moment when everything comes out, when all your secrets are laid bare, when your life's history is completely exposed without any face-saving embellishment. You won't be able to spin the story. You won't be able to blame someone else. It's one thing to point the fingers at people who signed up for Ashley Madison. It's quite another thing to have the finger of God point at your own soul. One day, the Bible says, the prophet Nathan walked into the courtroom of King David and told him a story. Here it is from 2 Samuel 12. There were two men in a city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. 
but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Now, naturally, when the king heard about this gross injustice, he blew a gasket. Whoever did this is going to die, he said. And it's at that moment that the story of Ashley Madison intersects with every human life. You are the man who did this, the prophet told the king. You're the one who committed adultery. You're the one who committed murder. Ah, now, now wait a minute, you're saying. I'm not guilty. I didn't sign up for that website. I didn't cheat on my spouse. No, maybe not. But this is still a story about you. And in just a moment, I'll come back and I'll show you how. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Like, where is God when people suffer? Or can I find real happiness? And is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. You can choose to study in the format that's most convenient for you. You may either do the lessons completely online or have them mailed right to your home. Both options are completely free of charge. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Welcome back from the break. You're listening to The Voice of Prophecy, and just before we went to the break, I was saying that Nobody can claim impunity when it comes to the Ashley Madison affair, because even though you might not have signed up for the website, in a way, it's still a story about you. So how could that be? Well, never forget that the number one metaphor for sin in the Bible is marital infidelity. God compares sinning to cheating on your spouse. Listen to this passage. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. They say, if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her again. Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet, return to me, says the Lord. Now, here's where the story actually gets a little bit different. I imagine there were probably lots of divorce proceedings in the wake of the Ashley Madison data breach. In fact, I doubt that many marriages could survive that kind of infidelity, especially when the divorce rate is already so high. Infidelity, after all, is the Bible's justification for divorce. To use Jeremiah's figure of speech, the land has been greatly polluted, and it's really hard to fix that. Few marriages survive that kind of violation of trust. But that, you see, is the miracle of God's character. When it comes to your relationship with him, he says you can come back. He says he can forgive infidelity. If you and I confess our sins and choose to accept the gift of salvation, the Bible says we get completely cleansed and our sins are tossed into the depth of the sea. If we confess our sins, it says in 1 John 1, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will have compassion on us, it says in Micah chapter 7, and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Once Jesus has dealt with your infidelity to God, once God has forgiven you, the angels actually have nothing left to shout from the housetops. There are no dirty secrets about you, not anymore. One, because you've already come clean and confessed them to God. And two, because once you are forgiven, 
your record essentially gets pulled from the files, and the perfect record of Christ is put in its place. The only stories the angels have to tell at that point is the story of God's perfect Son. I like the way one author describes it in her masterpiece on the life of Christ, a book called The Desire of Ages. Here's what she said. Christ was treated as we deserve, that we might be treated as He deserves. He was condemned for our sins in which He had no share, that we might be justified by His righteousness in which we had no share. He suffered the death which was ours, that we might receive the life which was His. With His stripes, we are healed. Now, just marinate in that thought for a few minutes. Jesus was publicly humiliated in front of this world so that you won't be humiliated in front of the universe. Everything you deserve, he got. He was hung naked on a cross. He was condemned as a filthy criminal. He was publicly mocked and spit on as if he'd committed your sins. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he, that's Jesus, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now imagine that. Jesus agreed to stand in your place. He agreed to appear in front of the universe as if he had committed your sins. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, it says in the book of Galatians, having become a curse for us. Now, you'll find that in Galatians chapter 3. Christians have become so used to the idea of the cross that sometimes we forget just how scandalous that cross really was. I mean, today we put crosses on our church buildings, and we decorate tombstones with crosses. We wear them around our necks. But let's be clear about what a cross really was. It was a humiliating death reserved for the scum of the earth. It was so shameful that the Romans wouldn't let their own citizens die that way. They thought that was beneath them. But it wasn't beneath the Son of God, who, according to the book of Philippians, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When, when Paul first wrote that in Philippians chapter 2, the audience would have gasped. Jesus was willing to die even on a shameful cross. The Son of God died a shameful death even though the shame was not his, who for the joy that was set before him, the book of Hebrews says, endured the cross, despising the shame. In other words, Jesus knew the cross was shameful, but he tossed aside all feelings of shame. He despised them in order to save you. Just imagine, I mean, God forbid, that your name was actually among those names leaked to the public in the Ashley Madison data dump. Now, I hope you only have to imagine this, but imagine you're one of the people who discovers that your secrets are now out on the internet. So with fear and trembling, you start searching through the information, knowing you are absolutely guilty and wondering how many people already know what you did. Your whole world is about to collapse, and rightly so. You have no excuse, and your life has been shameful. But then as you go through the data, instead of finding your name, you find Christ's. He's absolutely innocent. He's never even come close to sinning. But still, he has stepped in and he has agreed to wear your shame. The world scoffs him. The world ridicules him. He is mocked relentlessly. And you are free. You will not be facing the consequences of what you did because Jesus took those consequences for you. Now that, folks, in essence, is the story of the cross. It's Jesus' life for yours. 
I love that old American hymn. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Look, I know that in all likelihood you were not a customer at Ashley Madison. I have faith that I'm not talking about you. And then again, maybe you were. Maybe you did just get caught in that scandal. But either way, whether or not your name is in that data, you are still guilty of sins that cost Jesus everything he had. Your sins are a form of infidelity. They are a form of unfaithfulness. They utterly disqualify you from membership in God's kingdom. And really, that should have been the end of the story. You get found out. You get outed. Your sins become public, and you have to wear the awful consequences. There is no cover-up. There is no excuse in the kingdom of God. But in the words of Romans chapter 5, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. It's right at this point that you get to see the unbelievable love of God. He's the jilted spouse. God is the real victim of sin. And he paid the ultimate price to forgive you. The land was polluted. Your soul is filthy. And yet God still loves you. You know, I doubt it's possible to really mop up this big mess made by the tens of millions of people who used Ashley Madison. It's just such an awful story. There are so many people that got hurt. It's really hard to see how anything good could come from a story this awful. Trust has been shattered. Homes have been ruined. And nobody gets to smile at the end of the day. But for a moment, let's think about the bigger mess. The one that we all made collectively as a human race. That is a completely different story because God has provided a solution. The real victim, God himself, God the Son, was willing to pay with his own life to save you. Because there's another database, the one in heaven, that contains the names of everybody that God has ever loved, the whole human race. And if your name was missing from the database of those who made it into the kingdom of heaven, it would break the heart of God. To his way of thinking, the kingdom of heaven wouldn't be the kingdom of heaven if you weren't there. So he pays for us with his own life. He humbles himself and takes the punishment for us, willing to endure the shame so that we could enjoy eternity. That, I would think, ought to change the way we all live. And it ought to raise our level of love for God to an infinite degree. My name is Sean Boonstra. Today, you've been listening to The Voice of Prophecy. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Well, the year 2012 came and went, and we're still here. Those who predicted the end of the world were clearly wrong. But I remember the fears and the speculations, asteroids, mysterious plagues, and just whatever else no one exactly knew. But they were sure that the world would end in 2012. Well, they were surely wrong. But maybe you remember the hype too, and perhaps it even left you with a lot of questions about the future and whether or not the Bible is real. Well, if you're searching for answers to this and other of life's tough questions, I know where you can begin to find answers. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. 
Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888-456-7933, for your free Discover Bible Guides. The 26 Discover Guides cover a whole range of subjects, including the ones we've been talking about today. Guide number two looks at a fundamental question, can we believe the Bible? While answering that answers a whole world of other questions. And what about the future? Is it all doom and gloom? Well, in guide number seven, we discover an amazing Bible prophecy that came to pass just as predicted. You can study online at our website, BibleStudies.com, or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. And while you're online, be sure to visit us at VOP.com. At VOP.com, you'll find audio archives of this program, the latest ministry news, and resources to help you dig deeply into God's Word. And did you know that you can listen to this program from your smartphone or tablet? Well, just search for Voice of Prophecy in your favorite app store. So give us a call at 888-456-7933 or visit us online to begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Visit BibleStudies.com today.